Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Okay, everybody, we're ready to start. My name is Usher Parnas. I am going to moderate this session. And we're very excited. Thank you, Rabbi Schaefer, for joining us. How are you? Good, good, good. Baruch Hashem. Thank you. I can't hear him. You can't hear me? He's muted. I'll mute him. Can you Let's make sure Rabbi Schaefer's volume is good. I hear him. Menachem? I hear me. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Hold on one sec. Actually, one second. I'm going to change one thing, and then you'll hear me better, I hope. I hope. Can you hear me? One second. Menachem, yes or no? Do you hear me? Yes. One second, guys. You should see me now, I hope. Yeah, okay, good. Rabbi Shafer, I hear you. Menachem, you hear me? Yes. Okay, amazing. Okay, everybody, thank you. Welcome to the program. Tonight is a uh, big, big program. We have Rabbi Shafer. We are going to be discussing Emunah Betochen on the ultimate level. Um, Rabbi Shafer, I have to be honest with you. We got so overwhelmed with emails. Um, I'm sure you can go to like 2 o'clock tonight, right? What's, your, what's, the, what's the end time? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, first of all, I wanted to thank our advertising sponsors this week. We have the Lakewood Scoop over here in Lakewood promoting us. We have JBN, the Jewish Breaking News, the number one Jewish WhatsApp status with over 100,000 followers across all platforms. If you want to join their platform, please send a WhatsApp message to 773-619-6349. Uh, I would like to also thank Mrs. Mika Sofer from CLLI for promoting us. And a special, uh, a special, special thank you to, Yan, to Yaniv, Rabbi Schaefer, who was always a big uh, fan of yours. He promoted us tremendously. And Chazak um, is a children's program for, they have programs from children to teens, singles and couples, millennials to baby boomers. Cherish seniors, Chazak offers a program for all. For more information, to be part of it, go to chazak.org. And again, I want to thank Rabbi Schaefer for joining us tonight. Um, let's start off with a few opening remarks from our host, Coach Menachem. Thank you, thank you very much. Okay, another show on Let's Get Real. I want to welcome everyone to another show and uh, thank again all those behind the scenes to make this happen. And it's really unbelievable again to see the emails, the feedback and the questions. It's just really, really um, humble to see the growth from people and uh, awareness. So tonight's topic is a huge topic and a tough one. And it's really, I think, the topic that we Yidin are here on this world for. And uh, for this topic, we needed someone who deals with this already with a lot of experience. And Baruch Hashem, I want to thank you, Rabbi Shafer, for being here with us tonight. And we basically want, you know, the truth is, I feel almost every question we have, we can go to the schmooze.com, type it in. And I think there's an answer right there. And what we want tonight is really have all of that in an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> but the difference of tonight is that tonight we can get you live and ask you the questions. So I want to tell the Oilem, if you have the questions, now is the time. Send it into the chat to Asher Parnas, because now um, Rabbi Schaefer is open. So the emails 
that came pouring in. You can imagine everyone, their own challenges, their own questions in the moon and the talking, especially in today's days. But the common denominator of all these emails were, most, most of these emails is basically, I know, but I don't feel. So I know Hashem created the world. You know, we all grew up knowing all of this and Hashem runs the world. I know that everything he does is for the good and we can't always understand why, but I don't feel, I don't feel connected. There's a lot of people are in pain and how do they continue or what's missing if we believe and we know then what's, what's really missing? Why do we feel this way that we sometimes lose it and we need a lot of physic, especially when people are in pain? So I hope tonight in Mitzvah Hashem we'll be able to get some uh, ideas and perspectives so we'll be able to strengthen our belief our Muna and Betachen and we'll be able to to be able to make the, the gap a little bit closer. The gap from I know to I don't feel. Hopefully we'll be able to close the, I don't know if we'll be able to close it but we'll get some ideas and it Hashem some ideas and insights that will be able to help us grow, especially in these days. So again, thank you, Rabbi Shafer, for being us tonight. And uh, we should have a lot of atzlocha, atzvilavadei, Mr. You should help us put the right words in our mouth. And the Elmer should be mekabel. And I, sh- I myself should grow from this. Shkoyach. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you. I, I, I like the, uh, first of all, thank you for, <clears throat> for the introduction. Thank you for welcoming me. To the program. So Rep- let me Rep- hear Rep- you. Rep- Schaefer, can you just turn to, to the camera so I can see you? You're using the other camera. What? You're using the other camera. I'm looking at where now? One second. Right now, now, now you're looking at the camera. That's terrible. I'm supposed to be on the other camera. One second. We Look can wait. Like Not a problem. The wrong camera. That's the problem. Now. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sorry about that. Okay. Technological genius that I am. <laughs> okay. So I, I like the way you phrased the question, and I, I really would like to share with you, I would say, two perspectives. If a person wants to make his bitachon real, a person wants to grow, I think there are two concepts that a person has to really embrace. The first one is not that difficult. It's the second one that really gives us a lot of trouble. The first concept that a Jew has to really understand and really concentrate on is one idea. And that is, as much as I want what's best for me, Hashem wants it even more. As much as I want everything good, Hashem wants it even more. As much as I love me, Hashem loves me even more. That's the very first concept that a person has to understand. And that everything I want is, I want good. I want better. I want, I want to have a good life. I want everything to succeed. As much as I want it, Hashem wants it as, even more. Because as much as I love me, Hashem loves me even more. And this concept, I believe, is not that difficult to attain. If you really want to work on this, I think one of the easiest exercises is something the Chavos of Abbas shares with us. Watch a mother. <clears throat> Watch a mother with a newborn baby. You see the love, the devotion, the dedication. The mother will do anything for that child. The mother might even give up her life for that child. Now, here's the question. Where did that love come from? Did the mother <clears throat> wake up one day and say, mm, my baby is so fine. What a wonderful baby. I think I love my baby. <clears throat> the mother didn't make a choice. The mother didn't think about it. There's an instinct within the woman, an instinct within her heart 
to love the child, to will, be willing to give up anything for the child, that instinct was implanted in her by Hashem. Any emotion, any time that we've experienced love, any time we felt anyone being concerned for us, and that's an emotion that was put into that person by Hashem. And the Chobos of Love has explained to us, take the most loving, kindly, giving person you could ever imagine, and take that love, multiply it 10,000, 10,000, 10,000 times, you don't even have a slightest sliver of the unbridled, infinite love that Hashem has for any one of His creations. Hashem is the mative, Hashem is the benefactor, Hashem is the giver, and all that Hashem wants is our best. And when you focus on love in this world, and you see examples, you take a really giving, loving person, and just understand that's not even a main of a, not even a tiny splinter of the love that Hashem has for anyone. That's the first concept that a person has to focus on, that Hashem loves me more than I love me. And again, I don't believe that one is that difficult. I believe most of our problems come from what I call a different issue. I believe 80% of our Amuna problems, 80% of our philosophical issues, 80% of our questions on Hashem stem from one mistake. And that mistake is where I play God. Playing God means I know what I need. I need this to happen. I need this event to be there, and it's not working out. Hashem, why not? Hashem, I need it. I even broke a deal. Hashem, I'll learn Dafayomi. I'll learn another Seder. Hashem, I'll da- I made it clear. I, I dominate Hashem, and Hashem's not coming through. Hashem, why not? Why not? And that idea that maybe this which I think is so good for me might not be for my best never seems to cross my conscious thinking. How many times do you hear, I got to marry that woman. I have to get that job. I got to get my kid into this class. And it doesn't happen. And the guy has so many tinies, so many complaints. Hashem, Kaylee, Kaylee, Lama Zaftani, why are you doing this to me? And he doesn't marry that woman. And then two years later, he finds out that the expression mentally unstable is an understatement for her condition. I got to get this job. And he doesn't get that job. And three years later, he finds the entire industry was sent over to India. I got to get my kid into this class. The child doesn't get into that class. And six months later, he finds out there's another child in that class who would have been the worst possible influence on his child. Playing God means I know exactly what I need. And this has to happen. And Hashem, why aren't you doing this to me? And the idea that maybe it's not for my best never seems to cross my mind. The second concept that a person has to have is that as much as I know what's for my best, Hashem knows even better than I. Number one, Hashem loves me more than I love me. But number two, that Hashem knows better than I what's for my best. And that concept gets us in trouble all the time. I need this to, I need this to be. This is what I need. And I explained it to Hashem and Hashem doesn't come through. And I believe the mistake we make is a little bit almost humorous. It's almost like you have to wonder who's the servant and who's the master. You see, bitachon doesn't mean I trust Hashem to follow my plan. Betochen doesn't mean like I've got it all laid out. Hashem, I trust that you'll bring it forth. Betochen means I trust Hashem's plan. And then Hashem knows better than I what's for my best. I see two weeks in front of my nose, two months maybe, certainly not two years. But Hashem is a vast vision, a very long plan. And Hashem knows better than I what's my best. And these two concepts, that Hashem loves me more than I love me. And number two, that Hashem knows better than I what's my best are the underpinnings of all of our emunah, certainly all of our bitachon. And when a person embraces that and works on that, a person grows. 
if you really want to do this, there's only one book you have to read. And one book that's, I believe, vital, absolutely imperative for every Jew to read. And that book is your autobiography. But autobiography is the book that you write about your life. You see, every Jew has a story. And this happened, this guy said this, I was here, I was there. And if you look back, every Jew has a story, how this happened and that. Now, when it happened, we all say, it's a shkach, it's a shem. The problem is we forget it. But if you write those stories down, and you write another one and another one, and you start leafing through, and you read it again and again, you begin to get it. Hashem was there. Hashem was guiding me. Hashem was, right then, it looked so bleak. It looked so black. But six months later, six years later, I found out it was the best thing in the world. And when you live through it time after time, and it's your life, and you review it, and you go over it, suddenly you begin to get it. Hashem is there for me. Hashem is walking me through it. And more than anything, Hashem knows better than I what's my best. These two concepts, that Hashem loves me more than I love me, and number two, that Hashem knows better than I what's my best, are the underpinnings to all of our bitachon. And I believe if a person embraces it, it's more than a game changer. It changes everything. Obviously, my relationship with Hashem, obviously my bitachon, but it changes my equanimity, my sense of balance, my positivity. Everything in my life changes because I suddenly see things through a vastly different lens. So I didn't take an hour and 20 minutes, but that's, that's what I believe is a very, very important perspective. Okay, I think all the, all the questions are answered. <laughs> Everybody have a great night. It's been real. <laughs> Rabbi Schaefer, we are getting bombarded with questions. How do uh -oh. we deal with it? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh -oh. Okay, first let's take a little poll to get started, to give you a little break, take a drink of water. Good. Let's run the polls. Um, uh, should we launch? I want to poll. Okay. <clears throat> let's let's answer this poll to get a little feeling from the oil. Okay, everybody, please look at the screen. It says, "What impact did these trying times through COVID have on your Amuna Betochen?" You have three options. Did your Amuna Betochen get stronger? Was it very hard to connect during these times, or you had like ups and downs? It's question number one. Question number two is, what area in your life was it was affected? Was it a the guilt, the finance? two relationships, three, your health, or four, personal growth. Shafer, I feel like this, we can get a little of a angle, we're, we're, what, what we're dealing with here tonight. Right, I'd like to see this. I'm, I'm watching the results very carefully here because it's very eye-opening. Let's go, come on. Five, four. So far, 42% say got much stronger. That's very right, interesting. Right, three, two, one, and polling, share the results. Share the results. Everybody see the results? 45% of people feel they actually got stronger, more betachen during these uh, very, very rough few months that we just went through. There's a 10% of people here, Rabbi, Rabbi Schaefer, that really, uh, really need you tonight. So we need all your kaychas tonight. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna go, I'm, my personal vote was 46%. I definitely had a lot of ups and there was some downs. There was some, some hardships that, uh, that I found. What area of your life was affected? Finance, relationships um, was, was number two, health, and interestingly enough, Rabbi Shea, for personal growth. Okay, so I, I would love to hear the, the what that means, what that refers to. Hopefully people will tell you what that means. What, what, what so again, everybody on here tonight, let me explain you the difference of uh, what we're trying to do with this program. This program is not Rabbi Schaefer giving one of his long schmoozing or speeches, or which is great, Rabbi Schaefer, not, not in a negative way. This is more for people to be interactive. We want people to turn on their cameras. We want people to ask questions, obviously. Every question, if it's personal, you could always say it's your friend or your neighbor. It doesn't have to be personal. We could, we could, we, whatever it is, but they're, you know, the general questions. And the reason why you ask a question is because probably there's another 
20, 30 people that are going through the same thing. So I'm going to start off with the first basic question, because this is Aleph Bey's Gimel for Rabbi Schaefer, and then we'll go into more deeper questions, okay? Rabbi Schaefer. Yes, sir. And Menachem, I'd like to give you a little take after Rabbi Schaefer, but I don't know if you could say anything afterwards. because I'll give him das Kama. You'll give das Kama. Number one question. This is the Shmuz 20 years and 10 seconds. <laughs> Can you please break down the difference between Amuna and Betochen, and is it possible to have one without the other? Okay, that's actually, it's a very important question, a very significant question. Emuna is an understanding that Hashem runs the world. Let's look at the first, what's paraphrased from the Shemona Prokim, one of the Animamims. Animamim bemuna shalema shabore isparach bore umanhig. Hashem is the bore and the one who runs. Vulavado asa osaviyasa l'cholamasin. In plain, simple language, this is Emuna. Knowing that Hashem created the world and that Hashem orchestrates the world that Hashem maintains the world, that everything under the sun is kept in existence, maintained by Hashem, and everything that happens, Hashem is intimately involved in. That's Amuna, knowing that Hashem created, maintains, and orchestrates the world. That has nothing to do with Bitochen. And Bitochen is a totally different concept. Bitochen is trusting Hashem, relying on Hashem, having faith in Hashem. And as you asked, a person, yes, can have Amuna and not have Bitochen. I'll give you an example. I had a fellow in high school, I was a high school Rebbe for about 15 years, and once a week there was a fellow I, I had to the program. He would come up to me, look at that, David out to get me, Hashem did this, this guy did that, this guy did Once a week I had to deprogram the guy because he would show me how Hashem is out to ruin his life. Now that fellow saw Hashem very actively involved in running his life, but he had no bitachon. Hashem was the problem. You see, Amuna is knowing that Hashem runs the world. Bitochen is in learning to trust Hashem, taking my heavy load and transferring it to Hashem, saying, Hashem, you know better than I. I trust in you. I rely on you. Amuna is the knowledge that Hashem runs the world. Bitochen is in trusting in Hashem, and they're vastly different. You have to work on both, but you work on them differently. Amazing. Thank you much, Rabbi Shaper. Sounds like that was the question, to close the gap between Amuna and Bitochen. What, what's many it? people many people feel they, they know all the knowledge they have the knowledge and they know but when it comes to Misa, and they're in a struggle they're in pain so the betachem part needs to be a little bit closer to the amuna yeah okay so i'll be on candid with you there's something else i think that really that really is happening um you know the difference between a nisayan and a philosophical question so I'll tell you the difference in very simple, very simple term. <clears throat> if you break your leg, Hashem, why? He's a fine fellow. Why, why did that happen to him? That's a philosophical question. <clears throat> and a sign is when I stub my toe. Ouch! You see, when there's pain, then it's real. When it's pain, you know, <clears throat> the program is called Let's Get Real, meaning all of the bitochen that you spout in the base medrash, everyone, <clears throat> when it comes down to the brass tacks, when it's your life, when it's pain, when it's trouble, that's the real test of where you're holding. You see, Emuna is the knowledge. Bitochen is the actual trust. Where you really learn Bitochen is in the thick and thin of life. It's when you're in financial trouble, when your kid is sick. That's when you really take your heavy load. You say, Hashem, I've done my part. I've used the world in the ways of the world. And my shtadlis I did. I know you determine every outcome. But when you go through the process time after time, by the way, David Melech was not born David Melech. It was only through fighting wars, it was only through various, many, many situations, and time after time, seeing Hashem saving him, 
That's what made him Dover Melech. But again, it takes a lifetime. And I, one of the expressions I like to use a lot is that the laboratory of growth is life. Meaning Hashem put us in this world to grow and accomplish. And in many, many situations, many, many circumstances will we'll be put into strictly to allow us to either transcend or to crumble up, either to rise above and grow and see Hashem's chesed or to crumble up. But there are challenges. And the challenges that allow us to really put into practice that which we learned in the base Medrash, that which we learned in the, the Musas Farm. But learning it in the Musas Farm is just theory. In life, you get to practice it. That's when it becomes real. And that's when you really inculcate it into your essence, when you really learn Bitochan in the real trenches, in the real thing of life. Okay, we have the first live question, if we could start with that. Um, I would like Coach Menachem to answer, ask, answer the question first, if that's okay, Rabbi Schaefer, and then you. Can we do that? Sure. Okay, uh, unmute him. Hi, Daniel, how are you? Good, how are you? Thank you for coming on. You're welcome. So you got, the rabbi, you got everything you need in front of you, all the answers. Wonderful. Here's my question. My wife and I like where we live now, and we would like to stay and not use our savings to move. But we are a mile out from Shul and outside the Eruv. My wife worries about me when I walk back from Shul at Friday nights at night. Um, would it be better to move closer to Shul into a smaller apartment with less amenities for the same price or stay where we are now and keep our savings? And no, the other apartment is on the shul ground, so walking back really isn't an issue anymore. Okay, okay do you want to hear it from a Moon and Betachem point of view? Yes. Yeah, of course, from all points of view. So, so could you could you phrase your question a little bit with a Moon and Betachem in there? <laughs> um, what does it? What show does God want from you? Exactly. Yeah. What is, is it right to move or should we, you know, what does God want from us? Does God want us to live closer to school and have it be a little bit easier? Or does God want me to walk a mile mostly by myself on Friday night? Wow. Who has God's number? <laughs> That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking the question is what works better for you and maybe there are other options. That's just practical, nothing to do. I guess God would love if you do whatever works for you, if you can have other options and come up with something that you both can work out. Is that the, is that the only option you have? Right now, yeah. Oh, okay, so we need some tefillah and betachen and amidst Hashem, open up your eyes to some more options. And I believe based on the experience from us, Yidin, we always, Hashem always helps us. And Thanks. let's hear what Schaefer has to have to I, say. I concur. I, I like your answer. I'm, I'm with you, Coach Menachem. Good. <laughs> you know, I just want to mention that what Daniel was talking about, by the way, especially in Lakewood, a lot of people have this issue, by the way. It's a very common issue. The further you move out, you can get a more amenities and a better house and a better situation. But it also puts your your other thing, you know, so it's, it's, it's a really, it's a personal balancing act. It's not a... Yeah, priorities. You have to prioritize and see what works and what doesn't. But I think you should have, um, you should keep your eyes open for more options because God is unlimited. Okay, let's go to the next question because we have so many. I'm sorry, we're gonna try to keep up the pace over here, Rabbi Schaefer. Um, who's next? The next person is Avrami. 
Ramil. All right, Rami, how are you? Hi, I'm doing amazing. How are you? Good. This is such an awesome program. Thank you so much for putting this together. It's, uh, it's really, you. really fantastic. It's so cool to uh, like ask my questions in a live setting like this. Unbelievable. Um, so my question is uh, just a practical question. What's the balance between bitachon and ishtadlus when it comes to saving money, investing, things like that? And in addition to that, as an aside, also, what's like the yashristic approach? What's the right mahalach in terms of like reporting things for taxes and just different financial things with the government and such matters? Shape, before you answer, I just want to let you know, I got about 17, 20 questions within that range. <clears throat> Okay, so I'm, I'm going to be Midas a Golem. I'm going to answer the second question first. Is that okay? That's great. Okay. Awesome. All right. Good, here we go. Thank you. One of the basics of our Amuna system is that Hashem is Gozer on Rosh Hashanah, how much money you're going to make, right? So that means in the previous Rosh Hashanah, Hashem decreed you're going to make $50,000, $500,000, 5 million, whatever the number is, is decreed. Here's my question. Was that before taxes or after taxes? What I mean is like this. Hashem said, I was going to give you a million dollars, but you're going to pay taxes? Forget it. I'm not going to then forget all deals are off. What I'm saying is I believe that Hashem is quite aware of the federal, state, and local tax rates. And the amount of money you're supposed to make is after taxes. Meaning, I don't believe Hashem says, I was going to give you a lot of money, but you're going to be honest? Forget about it. I expected you to lie, steal, and cheat. You know, you know that's how I was going to give it to you. I didn't expect it, you to be honest and I was going to give it to you. I'm being facetious, but what I mean to say is Hashem knows exactly what the tax rate is, and Hashem determined this is the amount of money that you're supposed to make, and Hashem wants us to be honest, ethical, and 100% behind our word. Hashem, does, does Hashem have the updated tax code? I just want to make sure. Oh, I don't know. That I'm not sure. That it's <laughs> Very complicated. I don't know. Yes. Uh, but last year, <laughs> for sure. For sure, they got up to Shemayim. The point, though, is, though, that this idea see, it underscores so much because, you see, if I really get it that Hashem runs the world, then I believe that Hashem wants me to act in a certain way. And that's not lying and stealing and cheating. So what that means is, and by the way, I have to be honest with you, I don't make a fortune of money, but I know a lot of people who do. And I know a lot of people who <clears throat> report their income honestly, with integrity, and it makes a difference of $100,000 or more in taxes. Meaning one little dre, one little loop, and these people are Kaddish Kadoshim, because all they got to do, and no one will catch them, but it's, a, it's just a little dre, a little dre, and the understanding that Hashem decreed exactly how much money I'm going to make, and that means Hashem expects me to act in a certain way. That means to, what I'm supposed to pay in taxes, I pay. If it's honest and ethical, listen, if it's a legal loophole, obviously, and I get the best, best tax advice I can, and if I don't have to pay the tax, I don't, and that according to the law, I'm obligated. And that's the expectation that you're supposed to go in the, in the right way. You're supposed to be honest and ethical. And you know that Hashem decreed exactly how much you're going to make. So that, that, that question was easy. Is that question good? Uh, yeah, I hear, I hear right what you're saying. Um, I guess when it comes to maybe like a legal loophole, that type of, that type of situation. So I guess there could be different Dastoros, different Dastoro approaches. One might be, that okay, if, 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 it's, if it's legal loophole and it's not going to make any, not any potential for Chol Hashem, okay, fine. Another might be to be very, you know, like you shouldn't start trying to play shtick. You shouldn't start trying to, you know, find different areas to. No, so I'll be honest with you. I, I you know, I have a sore for my Rebbe to be incredibly honest in business. And Roshiva used to always use this expression. If you told it to the judge, what would he say? If the judge would say, yeah, you're right, then use it. 
the judge would say, cut me a break, then meaning to say, if it's a legal loophole, you should use it. You shouldn't pay more taxes than you have to. But that means it's a legal loophole. That means according to the law, the tax code, and you ask people who know, and this is a legitimate you know, loophole, then you should use it. To pay more than you have yeah. to is ridiculous. Yeah. But on the other hand, if it's not legitimate, if it's a kind of thing, it's a dre, it's not true, it's not, it wouldn't stand up in court more than that. And the judge would look at you as a thief and a liar. So what you're doing is you're lying and stealing and cheating. No one's catching you? Okay. So you're telling me that if no one catches me, I can lie, steal, and cheat. What you're doing is still lying, stealing, and cheating. Right. So, yeah. I think Rashi will say that uh, if it was on the New York Times, how would you feel about it? Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. That's a very good, exactly, very good criteria. And it doesn't matter to me whether it's on the New York Times. It matters to me whether I'm serving my creator the way Hashem wants me to, meaning Hashem wants us to act in a very particular way. And that's to be yosher, to be straight, to be honest. And more than that, it, it underpins what, if, if I have real emuna. And I really believe that Hashem decrees exactly how much money I'm going to make. And that means I get it. Hashem doesn't want me to pull the shtick. And pulling the shtick is not going to make me a penny more. One of the basic, basic concepts yeah, that, that it takes a long time. And I'm not saying I have it. But this basic understanding that lying, stealing, and cheating will not make me a penny more. There are different ways I could earn my living. I could earn my living honestly. And I could earn it by being dishonest. I'll earn the same amount. But that amount has been decreed on Rosh Hashanah. And that concept, getting it and really living with it, is the basics of our Amuna system. It was the first part of his question, which we didn't get to, which uh, yeah. I want to add on to it. Is that OK? Because it's part of one of the quite a few emails. Right. I want you to jump in on this one right. also. And I probably, I'm going to guess it probably uh, pertains to you somewhat. I'm 22 years old. I just entered the workforce. I have a tough time figuring out what type of work I should be doing. Should I go to college or should I just go with the flow and Hashem anyway will provide? So who's answering that? Coach Menachem or I? Who's? I can start with uh, one concept and you'll take over. Please. Um, what I find many people when they start going out looking for, they're not sure where to go. There's a lot of fear and really you can figure out what you would want, but not exactly what you would want. And there are people out there, they're, they're only going to try something if they know exactly what they want. So that, that comes from perfection or contemplating because they're, they're not sure where they're going. There's a lot of fear there. So you have to narrow it down. Narrowing down, I think, is not so hard. You can, uh, between a plumber and an accountant, you should know which one you want. But once you narrow it down and you're not sure, where to start, the answer from a coach would be, just start, just look for one, try it out, see where it goes, see how you go, and you grow with it. Because if you wait till you have the perfect answer, the perfect job, and know exactly what you're doing, that's probably never gonna happen. Okay, good. Coach, I, I wanna add one little perspective to that. Sure. What I find a lot of times is that people have an intuitive sense but I'm not going to do this type of malacha because it's not kavadik, won't make enough money. It's not. So this, I think, is where the Amuna and Bitochem peace comes in. And the Chobos of Ovis explains to us that Hashem gives an innate instinct to a person what they should do to earn a living. Much like the Chatul, the cat has an instinct to hunt for the mouse. The Robin has an instinct to hunt for the worm. 
the ramen doesn't say based on the general availability as well as the nutritional value of the earthworm, I'll use that as my food staple. There's an instinct. And so too Hashem put into each human being an instinct how to earn his living. Some people are just really good with their hands. Some people are real conceptual. Some people are, my son, when he was six years old, he was buying and selling. I said to my wife, I know what he should be doing for a living. <clears throat> Hashem gives a teva, a nature to each person. And what you're supposed to do is follow that nature. You're supposed to go out in the workplace and say, these are my skill sets. These are my talents. Find the best opportunity within the marketplace for that and go out there and do it. But you see, <clears throat> where the emuna comes in is knowing that exactly the amount of money I'm to make, I'll make based on one thing. As long as I'm doing a good ishtadlis, then Hashem's in charge. And if I decide I'd like to do this, but I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to not going to make enough money. Number one, you see, I'll give you an example. There was a fellow who was a, he loved the food service business. He was really talented. And he decided he wanted to make a real living. So he became a dentist. Kachava, as a dentist, he didn't do too well, but he opened the Pesach program and his Pesach program was phenomenally successful. As a dentist, he wasn't that good. As a caterer, he was great. And what you begin to realize is that, you see, if you pursue something that doesn't suit you, number one, you won't be talented at it. It won't suit you. You won't enjoy it. But number two, you won't make a penny more. Hashem gave you a nature. Hashem gave you a certain teva. You're supposed to go out there, use that, and know that exactly the amount of covet I'm supposed to get, I'll get. The amount of money I'm supposed to get, I'll get. You go out there and know that exactly that which Hashem determined to be will be, provided again, I do my shadows properly. Anything? Very good. It's very liberating if you can let go of all your ego. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Okay, I got the next question. It's actually going right into this perfectly, so I'm going to put them on. Daniel, oh, you're on. Can I one second? Sure. I one, one important. Sure. There, was a guy, there was a guy who it, it was my high school shear, and this kid loved cars. This kid slept, he, you know, the Chilton Parts book. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's a thick part book. He used to sleep with it under his pillow. He's always working on everybody else's car. He loved cars. I, after high school, he graduated. I didn't see him for a number of years. I met him somewhere. He's married. I said, oh, Shomalek, how are you doing? What are you doing? He tells me he's working in an office. I say, working in an office? What happened to cars? He said, you know, come on. I come into shul Friday night with grease under my fingers. It's not covered thick enough. I decided I want to work in an office. I said, nah. I mean, I said it politely, but do you understand? Hashem gave you a certain nature. And if you do that, you'll be happy. You'll be fulfilled. It suits you. And if you decide to do anything else, you're just not going to be satisfied. It doesn't suit you. You're not going to be talented at it. You're not going to be, you're not going to be happy with it. You're not going to be good at it. And you're not going to make a penny more or get any more covered. All right. Anyway, I just wanted to add that because to me, that was a very key example of exactly this mistake that people make. Okay. Let's keep going. We, I'm, it's going to be an all-nighter, Rabbi Shev. I'm sorry. I, I should have warned you beforehand. Daniel. Hi. I have a question for Coach Menachem and Rabbi Shaffer. Um, This question, it's like, it's a really hishtadless question. Like, where where do you draw the line? Like, let's say I work, like, I guess you're typically nine to five, and I also have a hustle, and I also have this, and I have to do that, and it's just not being masliach. So do I work all from the second after Shabbos until the second, till the next Shabbos, because that's just what makes sense to me because of, I just need to get it done. Or I, like, or I could just confidently say, no, I'm done. I did what I could do. But like, honestly, the money still doesn't come in. It's, it's, it's really, I guess, just from like, 
I guess it's just not coming from a whole Hovis Hovis question, more like just like what do I do? And like I guess I'm asking Coach Menachem and Rashefer, and also together with Shaduchan as well, like do you date every every like like you know the amount of Zoom dating that's been going on and you can meet like a hundred girls over three months and nothing happens. So do I just continue or do I just like well I did this shadless already. So it's more of like his shadless question. Right, no split screen zooms, right? No, not two girls at the same time, right? <laughs> no, you do two separate zoom. No, no, you do two separate zoom accounts. <laughs> you do one at a time. Usher is going to push us into break room soon. <laughs> um, I just want to pause, Reverend Schaefer, and I'm going to add on to the question because a few people asked me to ask this specific question, and and um, let Coach Menachem go first, and then Reverend Schaefer to, to really wind it up. If that's okay, um, let me see this one that somebody sent me. It was literally the same thing. Um, I grew up from yeshivish from yeshivish home. I went to Benos Beis Yaakov schools all my life. It's a girl's point of view. Oh my gosh, let me let me put them together. I understood that Hashem runs the world, and I fully trust that Hashem will bring me my bashert in the right time. So why do I have to speak to so many shatchanim and go through such effort? Isn't that a lack of betachin? If I believe that Hashem determines who I will marry, so He will bring me that person anyway. Why do I have to work so hard? Literally the same question, the other version. Coach Menachem. So uh, the little bit that I could say, I think Rabbi Schaefer has a lot of schmoozing on this. <laughs> but basically this question, many people have with tefillah. If Hashem knows what I need, then why should I doubt? But I think the basic answer is that Hashem created the world in a way that we should do his tablets. Hashem wants us to daven and Hashem wants us to do our part. So w whether it's uh, dating or it's a uh, parnasa, you, you can't just sit with your feet up and say, Hashem, you know exactly what I need. I trust in you. That's not what Hashem wants. Hashem wants us to do hishtadlus. Now hishtadlus is a, is a big suge and it really depends every person on their level. But I think it has to be, um, there has to be a balance and you have to know what works for you. Uh, for example, if you're going to be out 24-6 and not be home with your family, obviously that's not going to work and that's not what Hashem wants from you. It has to, it has to make sense. If, again, if you're going to work two hours a day and say, that's what makes sense for me, you have to really see um, how you spend your money in other places to see if, that's, uh, if you're working with Hashem hand in hand and everything or only when you don't want to do, you don't want to work too hard. But really, it boils down to the to balance and what works for you. And for many people, it's nine to five, or it's um, opening your own your own thing, so you can go on your own, put in a little bit more koiches. Maybe it's a little bit harder, but again, it can't take over your whole life. So you have to have the balance, know your priorities, and you should you should speak to somebody that knows you to see if you're real with yourself. I think that would help. Good. I'm quitting the shmooze. Coach Menachem, you got it. Let's go. <laughs> you go. Let's go. <laughs> okay. I, I do want to amplify one thing. Let, let's uh, really on both ends. Please. Let, let's take the following case. Why should I go out with so hard? Why, let me just, Hashem will bring the right person. Okay. <clears throat> let, let me be uh, a little funny for a moment. Imagine it's Rosh Hashanah. I'm in shul, davening my talus over my head, shuckling away, and I hear a boss call. Shalifa, what, what, what? I was sent from Shemaim. Yeah, what, what, what? I was sent to tell you this year you'll make $10 million. Whoa, $10 million. I heard a boss call. Okay. I go out of shul, happy as a lark, quit my day job. Don't even look at the news. And the, I 
I know exactly what's going to happen. Head straight to the base medrash and don't do a thing the entire year. What do you think is going to happen? I'd like to share with you, most likely what's going to happen is I'm going to go hungry that year. Because when Hashem decrees what's going to be that year, there's a proviso, provided you do your part. And you see, Bashert doesn't mean it has to happen. Bashert means it's available, it's accessible, it's what should be, provided you do your part. Lamashal. Let's say it was decreed I'll live to 120 years. But I decide this thing called life is a little bit troubling. So I go over to the Brooklyn Bridge and I jump off. Tosa says, and you look in the other Rishonim, it's Pashat that you can end your life. But, but it's Bashar, Hashem decreed I'll live 120. Hashem doesn't decree you have to live. That's what's available. That's what's accessible. That's what should be provided you do your part. To earn a living, you have to go out and get a job. To stay healthy, eat right and exercise. When it's time to get married, you have to go out there and use the world in the ways of the world. That's Ishtadlis. And if you don't do it, all bets are off. Most likely, what's going to happen is you're not going to find the right person. Sometimes, despite your poor effort, despite your poor Ishtadlis, sometimes Hashem will arrange things otherwise. But the vast majority of the times, if you don't do your right Ishtadlis, all bets are off because that's not what Bashir Bashir doesn't mean. Hashem handcuffs you to a result. And Bashar means it's accessible, it's available. But again, you have to do your part. You have to go out there and do it. And if you don't, all bets are off. So on that side, I think the Ishtadlis has to be very real. And it has to be very, very, um, very within the Derech HaTeva, within the Velma Teva. Um, I don't want to go on to too long because the, the flip side of that is the too much Ishtadlis part. Um, we'll get back to that soon. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be too uh, too lengthy here. So let, let's. We'll get back to the too much established. I'm sure there'll be more questions about that. All right. Ready for more? Ready for more. Let's go. Avram. Avram. Hello, Shaper. Shalom. Shalom. Um, um, I'm. I'm willing to accept that 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 the. I'm not a freelancer that which is decreed will happen, and I must act ehrlichly, um, very ehrlichly. But I just don't understand, how do you put tefillah in there? Every day I have to dive in for my, my panasa. I have the general background of bitachin. I have that, and I'm, I'm working within that. So why do I need to dive in every single day? And where does tefillah come into there? Okay, good. That's an excellent question. So according to many Rishonim, your main hishtadlis is tefillah. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that, listen, Hashem can make anything happen. Money could grow on trees. <clears throat> Food could be, Hashem wants us to act in a given way because that's the Nisayan called life. So we can grow, we could accomplish. <clears throat> the reason you have to work is because I'm serving Hashem the way Hashem wants me to serve Him. I'm using this world in the way Hashem wants me to. That's part of Avodah Hashem. <clears throat> but the bigger part of that is Tila. And tefillah is where I begin to recognize that Hashem is really in charge. There are many, many situations. Rishonim tells many, many times a person is roi, should get it, but Hashem will hold back that thing until the person asks. Why? Because half the accomplishment is for me to get it, for me to understand that Hashem really runs the world, for me to understand my efforts aren't the gorin. My efforts are just going through the motions, but Hashem is the one who determines it. When I daven, when I beg, when I beseech, when I reach out to Hashem, I say, Hashem, I can't do it. I rely, I depend on you, suddenly it becomes real. And that's the greatest change in the person. 
And that's the greatest part of the Avodah. And many, many times Hashem will hold back something until we ask strictly so that we could finally get it. We could finally wake up to the fact that Hashem really runs the world. So basically it's to reinforce our Muna, to reinforce that background. And it was a very real part of, right, a very real part of our tefillah is the proper ishtadlus. Exactly, right? That's a big part of it. It can also do a lot more. It can change decrees and change things. Right? That's another, but certainly in terms of the ishtadlus piece, that's a, a, a major part of what tefillah does. Thank you. Sure. I just got um, a few emails basically backing up that many people have a hard time believing the, the first concept that you started off, Rabbi Schaefer. That again, Hashem loves us, Hashem knows what's good for us, and he, He'll give it to us. Um, people, whatever reason it is, if it was the way they grew up, or uh, they think they did wrong, in their mind, they think that they messed up. And they don't really feel that uh, there's really... Really, does really Hashem really loves me? Does He want to give me what I want? Or maybe uh, most people, but not me. Um, where, where does a, such a person start? I think um, he needs a little bit of a change in his mindset. Maybe you could help him, Rabbi Shaykh. Okay. Uh, you know, as an illustration of this, I had a woman once, I was speaking in an out of town community, and I mentioned there are four levels to basic emuna. The third level is knowing that Hashem knows my thoughts as I'm thinking them. That Hashem reads through me. I'm like the Lucite man. <clears throat> Hashem reads through me, right like a book. Hashem knows my thoughts as I'm thinking. Okay, anyway, <clears throat> after I was done speaking, this woman comes over to me. She's distraught. She's, it's terrible. That's hard. Hashem knows my thoughts. That's, that's hard. I, I don't understand what her difficulty with it was. And her husband explained to me. <clears throat> she grew up not from, and her father was very abusive. And the thought that someone is in her world was so intrusive that she was just, she, she, couldn't, she couldn't make peace with it. So I said to Madam, I have three questions. I believe if you think about these three questions, you'll quickly understand that it's not, it shouldn't be troubling at all. Question number one starts like this. Before you were born, what did you do that made it worthy that Hashem should create you? Right Before you existed, what great deed did you do that Hashem said, ah, this person I should create? Well, the answer is before you existed, you didn't exist, so you couldn't have done anything. Step number one is to understand that Hashem created you not because you're worthy, not because you're good, not for any reason other than Hashem is the native. Hashem wants to give. Hashem wants to share of His good with others, and Hashem is the benefactor. Hashem wants to give. That's question number one. I say question number two is a lot more relevant. <clears throat> question number two is, let's say you decide, that's it. Hashem, I've had it. I'm fed up. Hashem, I'm going to get you angry. I'm going to get you really, really mad. Here's my question. What could you do to get Hashem really, really mad? And I said, with all due respect, nothing. Number one, you have to understand that you are this big. And there are 100 billion galaxies. Each galaxy contains 100 billion stars. And within the tiny, tiny Milky Way galaxy containing 100 billion stars, this is planet Earth. On this planet Earth are seven and a half billion people. Hashem fills every particle of physicality, every part of the world. Hashem is everywhere at any time. And you compare, you see, I and you are on the same level. I could get you angry because we're about plukta. We're, we're equals. You can't get Hashem angry. You're not exactly on the same level. You're not even like within the... So number one, you can't get Hashem angry, but more than that, philosophically, it's untenable. 
Anger is based on a frustration of lack of power. There's nothing that Hashem can't do. Everything that's in existence is kept in existence by Hashem at every given moment. If Hashem were ever really angry at someone, Hashem wouldn't have to bring a nuclear holocaust. Hashem would cease infusing energy into that person and the person would just no longer be there. And the idea that you could get Hashem angry is philosophically untenable. It's also silly. There's nothing you could ever do to get Hashem angry. But the third question I said is the main one. And the third question is, how much patience does Hashem have? Right? I was a high school rabbi for 15 years. You got to have a lot, of, a lot of patience to teach boys, boys yeshiva. Okay? So how much patience does Hashem have? A little patience? A lot? A lot? A lot? How much patience does Hashem have? As I said, that question is also very, very relevant because the answer is none. Patience is a human trait. You can measure some people a little bit, a lot of it, 100 points, 10,000 10, points, but those are limits. Hashem is limitless, boundless, beyond any description and beyond any limitation. And when you understand that, you understand that Hashem created you to give, to share. You're not going to get Hashem angry. Hashem doesn't lose patience. When you understand that, you, you understand that Hashem wants one thing, and your benefit. Hashem wants you to grow. Hashem wants a share of His good. Hashem put you on the planet to give you the chance to grow, to accomplish, so that you can enjoy for eternity, being close to Hashem, the ultimate enjoyment. But all that Hashem wants is your benefit, and all that Hashem wants is what's good for you. The idea that Hashem is fed up with me, Hashem is angry, Hashem is punitive, Hashem is vengeful, these are all silly concepts that we human beings, we're anthropomorphic. We take human traits and we attribute it to non-human entities and we take human traits attributed to Hashem. It's silly. And you understand that Hashem is beyond any description, beyond our small little minds. You understand that Hashem is the mate of the giver. Nothing that you're going to do got Hashem angry. Nothing you can do can get Hashem angry. Hashem didn't lose patience. All Hashem wants is your growth. Now, if you step off, Hashem may do things to help you get back on path. And many of those things may not be the most comfortable things in the world, but it's done out of love. When a parent touches the kid, we don't do that anymore, but when a parent disciplines the child, it's done out of love, hopefully. And so surely with Hashem, it's not always pleasant, but it's done for one reason, for my benefit, for my growth. But you have to think in non-human terms. You have to step out of the box to realize the, that reality. Does that answer the question a little bit? 10%, 2%? Well, there's a lot of work. The president is still going to have to do a lot of work so he can think in terms of how Hashem loves him, even though he, in his eyes, maybe doesn't love himself. Yep. But the concept we got. All right, are you ready? The poll who got the answer, didn't get the answer. We agree, do, don't agree. <laughs> we still poll every question. Yeah. By the way, if anybody wants to you know, talk up, you could, you, could, you, could, you could ask Rabbi Schaefer. That's why he's here today. Let's go to the next question. Avram, you're on. Let's hear from you. Hi, good evening. Um, so an interesting uh, scenario that happened to me, and I was wondering uh, perspective on it, um, in the sense that um, it was, uh, four years ago, well, four years ago, I um, was supposed to take a flight to go out to Cleveland to uh, get engaged, to go on a date, and then get engaged the next day, uh, which got canceled. Um, in I was supposed to go from Pennsylvania to Cleveland. Um, Baruch Hashem, I made it there, got engaged, or happily married for four years. Baruch Hashem. But during that uh, time period, I was even told that um, from when I went to get my luggage, there was a 45-minute wait, the three hours, no guarantee that I was going to get my luggage. Um, at the end of the day, 45 minutes later, I got my luggage, and the guy behind the counter came out and said, oh, Mr. Scheinberg, I'm happy you got your luggage. 
And that's when it struck me that I was, apparently I was polite enough when I was trying to ask for my luggage that I made a kid Hashem that he should come out to me to tell me that, to say, I see, I'm happy you got your luggage and remember my name. So my question is, is how do I recognize that before everything starts? And, and, and even though I don't know the reason why I had a delayed flight or a cancer flight or, or any other scenario that comes up, before I recognize it in the middle of the scenario, what's going on, how do I, how do I uh, recognize them towards the beginning of it? Coach Menachem, can I take this one? Please. Okay, this is the answer. Look in the mirror. You might notice a yarmulke on your head. You're a Jew. Do you realize how you stand out in, we forget, we, I own the streets of Brooklyn. Hey, I'm a Lakewood. I, I own the, we, you are a Jew. We're supposed to be an Am Anivcha. We're supposed to be the Am Askula. And we're supposed to recognize I walk a different walk. I talk a different talk. I am a unique person, gifted a Ben Melech. Unfortunately, we become so complacent, become so regular. We, we forgot that whole piece. It was supposed to be, uh, excuse my saying it, Ne'er Lagoyim, but it's supposed to be, I'm supposed to be incredibly conscious of the fact that I'm walking around with a yarmulke with sits, that I, you know, do I look Jewish? Do I look Jewish? Do I, do I really, I really, you know, I love when the guy wears the baseball cap, you know, sits is hanging out. He's got the Hasidic accent and he's, uh, I don't look Jewish, do I? Do, you do you look Jewish, believe me, you do. But I think that single concept, being aware that I'm wearing a yarmulke. Be, I, Jennifer, can I pause you for a second? Please. Just somebody emailed me this question a little bit before we started. Just gonna, I just want to put it in so he knows I said it. I wanted to send the following question about to the rabbi. How are we being from Yudin that we are Amma Nifchar, more morally re religious than other supremacist groups, such as any other group? Do, do we believe that we are more worthy, better than other nations? Can you please elaborate? Oi. Oi that the, I, I, hope you, uh, I don't mean to be intolerant, but oi that you have to ask the question. Okay, so let me, let me, let me be very candid. <clears throat> We're supposed to be a moral, ethical people through and through. When you see a Jew, what's supposed to go through your mind is that man's word is his word. I'll, I'll give you a story. <clears throat> it was about 35 years ago, and there was a <clears throat> from Jew pulled into an Arab gas station. And when he pulled into the gas station, he realized he didn't have cash. So he asked the owner of the gas station, an Arab fellow, if he could write a check. And the Arab said, sure. His son, the Arab son said to him, why are you doing that? And why are you, so the Arab said to his son, I recognize the from, by them their word is the word. The son said back to his father, I also recognize the religious. They're not so. Meaning what's supposed to be is a Jew is incredibly ethical, honest. His word is his word. You know, how can I say this? It's, it's such a, you know, we're with the Amanifcha. We are the chosen people. We're a unique nation. Our DNA is different. Our genetic position is different. Look at the amount of chesed committees. Look at the amount of, look at Atzala. Look at all of the chaveirim. Look at the amount of unbridled chesed, amount of good that happens. By the way, who were the biggest plasma donors in Krona? And for Krona, the biggest, I think 50% or more 50%. of the plasma. I'm sorry? 50%. 50%. Right? 50%. Why? And because that's an, we're B'nai Avra Mitzvah, that midah of Rachman, Baishan, Gomel, Chassar, that's within the DNA of a Jew. 
or Hashem's chosen nation, or unique amongst the people, as much as a guy has a potential to earn Olam Haba, if he keeps Zayim Mitzvah's Bnei Noach, again, as the Rambam says, for the purpose of, because the Torah said so, he has a chalik in Olam Haba, but it's nowhere near what a Jew can accomplish, nowhere near the portion that a Jew has. And unfortunately, we, we become so mixed up in our understandings. We, we're just like another, you know, I, again, I own the streets of Brooklyn, I'm just another kid. Very sad and very unfortunate. So I don't know if I answered the question, but um, I, I don't know. Did I? Did I answer it a little bit? I don't know. Maybe not. I, I think you answered it. All right, good. I vote yes. Vote yes. Good, good, good. Okay, um, I have about another four or five live questions ready to go, and I have still a bunch more questions. We have a lot more to go. We're going to do another poll, Rabbi Schaefer. Take a little, uh, good. little 30 second intermission. You ready? Ready. Okay, um, let's do number three launch polling. Do you have any questions regarding the way Hashem runs this world? Yes. Do you have any questions how Hashem runs this world? No. I feel it's better not to ask. In my circles, Okay, I think that's a good question. Question number two, if you answered yes, that you have questions how Hashem runs this world, do you have a safe place to ask these questions? Yes. No. I'm still looking. And uh, I told Menachem would put it over here. Well, that's why we're here tonight. But uh, it's not one of the options. Oh, it is. I'm sorry. It is. <laughs> that's why I'm here tonight. Wow. Let's go. Come on. Gave up. You forgot about gave up. Oh, gave up. Right. Again, do you have any questions regarding the way Hashem runs this world? Yes, no. It's better not. To, I don't ask. In my circles, we don't ask these questions. Number two, if you do answer yes, do you have a safe place to ask these questions? Yes, no. I'm still looking. I gave up. That is why I'm here tonight with Rabbi Schaefer and Coach Menachem to get those answers. Wait, Asher, uh, wait, wait a minute, because I see there's about 100 people that didn't vote yet. I want them to do, get some action. Sit up, press the button. Yeah. You're asking too much of status. <laughs> okay, let's go. We got to end it. We have so much more to go. Share the polling. Share the results. Rabbi Schaefer, 45% of people have questions how Hashem runs the world. 40, 42% no, so it's really a split over here. 8%, they, they, it's better if they don't ask. 5% of my circles have been shilas. We don't ask these questions. If yes, do you have a safe place to ask these questions? 40, 43% said yes. 16% said no. 20%, they're still looking for a place to ask it. 5% gave up. And 17%. That's why they're here tonight. That's why they're here tonight. Okay, amazing. Beautiful. All right, you ready? Let's go, come on. Somebody hit Rabbi Schaefer with a hard question. These are all easy ones. Hi. Okay, let's go. You're on, PN. Hi. Hi, how um, are you? I'm good, Baruch Hashem. Thank you, and thank you for making this available. Baruch my question is, how to strengthen my betachem with regards to physical safety or physical security? Um, I'm right here near different protests it's really it was really scary and it's still unrestful in my area um i happen to be home by myself for the next couple weeks whatever and uh i'm trying to work on my my feeling comfortable that hashem will protect me but if he chooses that that's not the way then how do i feel safe with that how do i feel i mean i could lock my doors i could be with the security groups on WhatsApp. I could have protection. I could do all that, but there's still the anxiety of not feeling 100% safe. So 
even though I know and I believe Hashem is taking care of me, the, the physical fear of, let's say, God forbid, an intruder, like it's, it's scary for me. The physical harm, the being invaded, the, it's just, I don't know how to get to that place where I'm like, okay, Hashem knows what he's doing. If God forbid that happens, so then I'll deal with it then. And I'll have the tools that I'll need to deal with it then. But the beforehand and the falling asleep, going to sleep nicely with like calm, with like Hashem's got my back. When it comes to the physical harm, the physical protection, that's harder for me. When it comes to the spiritual part, it's easier for me to be able to know Hashem's my banker, Hashem's got it all under control. Even my husband was dealing with Corona and Baruch Hashem and Har, he was, he has survived and he's had an, a miraculous recovery. And through all that, Hashem gave the decision to the doctors. He's in charge myself to do my Ashtados and I got that. But when it comes to the physical protection and and pain, I guess, physical pain, if God forbid something would happen, I, I don't know where to get to that comfort level. I'm still a little anxious. Okay, so let, let me first, let's assume that you're safe. In other words, meaning if it is a dangerous situation, you have to get out of that situation. You right. have to make sure that you're in a in an area that, that is considered safe, that you have, you know, whatever protection you needed. Um, so, but assuming that it is, and there's assuming that the fears really are unbased in the sense that in the real world, anyone would say it's not a problem. So then if, if that's your question, then welcome to the human race. Um, and I'll, I'll explain to you what I mean. You see, what I said earlier about learning Bittachan in the base Medrash, in other words, you can't learn Bittachan from a book. You open the Chavaz of Avasi and you and you really feel it and you feel it, that's all very nice in theory. It's when you're in your situation right there that you have to say to yourself, again, assuming that it's safe and it's normal, and you say to yourself, Hashem runs the world. I have to say it again and again and again. Hashem knows what's to my best. Hashem is here. Hashem is protecting me. And when you're in that dangerous situation and you're really working on it, and that's where you really grow and be tough on. It's, it's, um, I have a, I have a muscle. I taught high school boys for so many years. This is to me the only muscle I have. I would say to the guys, let's say I decide I want to learn how to box. I want to learn a box, right? So I take, I go to the library. I take out every book on boxing. I learn the jab. I learn the cross. I learn to duck. I, and then I get into the golden gloves. I enter my first fight. How do you think I'm going to do? So the odds are good that I'm going to get very, very hurt because you can't learn how to box from a book. You got to get into the gym. You got to duck. You got to punch. You got to get hit and get slipped. You have to really get in the ring to learn how to fight. You can't learn how to fight by reading books. And you can't learn Bitochan in the base Medrash. You learn the concepts, you learn the ideas, you learn the theory, but it's when real life happens, that's where you really work on Bitochan. And what that means is you say to yourself 10 times before you go to sleep, who runs the world? Who runs the world? Is Hashem here? Yes, Hashem fills every particle of physicality. It means Hashem is right here. Hashem is right here with me 24 7, 365. Hashem is, understands what's happening, Hashem is there. When you say that again and again and again, it becomes more real, more real, and slowly, slowly you start to grow. By the way, what you're experiencing is real life. You are a real human being with real fears like everyone else. We all walk around with a sense of, I'm a big Baal Bitochen, I'm a big Baal Bitochen. Rabbi Dudetz Rashiva Racha says an interesting litmus test. You want to know your level of Bitochen? <clears throat> what happens when a little dog chases you? Ah! I'm a mommy and I'm a... Yeah. And when the little dog starts chasing, not a big dog, a little dog, oh, what happened? And what happened is the test became real. 
when you're in the real world, that's where the test is. That's where you really grow. So and welcome to this laboratory of growth called life. You have the opportunity to grow. The way to grow is to say it to yourself again and again, Hashem is here, Hashem is guarding me, Hashem is protecting me. Again, assuming that you're physically safe and not really in danger, and you've done your ishtadas properly, and then you have to work on your betachem, which is by saying again and again, thinking it through, Hashem was with me when I was born, Hashem was with me as I grew up, Hashem was with me every day of my life, Hashem is here now. And the more you think about that, the more real it becomes and the more you grow slowly in betachem. Thank you. I just want to add, yeah. I find that many people, especially with this Emunah Betachem, logically we know where we're supposed to be. And we know we're supposed to be believing like Avram Yitzchayankov when we're 80 years old. Sometimes we feel guilty that we're not there yet. And we don't realize that it takes, like you're saying, it's a lot, it takes growth. But I want to put in the, the piece of not suppressing your emotions. Many people could walk around saying, it doesn't bother me, which really it does. But you want to be a Baal Betochen, so you're saying it doesn't bother you. But I, I don't think that's the right way to do it, because then you're suppressing what's really going on. To, to, to say, I am worried. I'm human, and I'm not uh, in the ultimate level yet. And I am worried, that's it. You can sit with that, that's sitting with that painful feeling, with the feeling of um, negative, whatever feeling you don't like, and you're trying, some people try to have a mood of talking because it just feels better. It, you know, it, physically, you don't, you, you have these pain and you're nervous, you're shaking, you don't want that. So you know what, let's have some amun of talking. But it, it takes a lot of growth. And by saying it doesn't bother me, you're just pushing it away just from to understand a little bit how the emotion emotions work. And I think it's a benefit so that we can get to um, the positive emotions, which we're gonna, might talk about soon. If you can experience your negative emotions, you'll be able to experience, experience your positive emotions also. However, if you suppress your negative and you say, it doesn't bother me, I'm fine. It doesn't bother me at all. I'm lying in Hashem. So then you're not being in touch with the emotional part with the, with the part of your body that's whatever, whatever your body is feeling. And you're basically going with your logic and trying to tell yourself, yeah, I'm going to talk. Again, it's work and there's a way how to work on it. You'd say it over and over, but don't dismiss the, 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 the negative feeling, those feelings. Rabbi Schaefer, can I, can, I, can I talk personally here? Are we, are we private enough? Private enough. Only 267 people with us. Yeah, we're private. More crap. Let's just be honest. I'm gonna talk personally about myself. Um, I haven't been. I haven't listened probably to about. I would say about two, three hundred of your shirim. Um, most of the things, um, you know, Munavat Tachan. I, you know, I've listened to it. I actually listened to the car. Works perfectly. I signed up. Subscription app. Web. You have it all. Um, I personally found the hardest thing is I finally after listening to years to all your shirim Munavat breaking it down in examples and cases. My personal struggle was when I was in a rut. When I was in a situation you want to call it COVID and the guy loses his parnasa, or a guy is trying really hard and he gets, I don't, I don't use the word depression. It doesn't mean clinical depression. It means in a situation where it's just overwhelming, where it's hard. That's where, I'm Coach Menachem, actually we're very good friends. We discussed this many times. That's where we found we hit brick walls. So in the intelligent part, in the emotional part, sitting in the base medrash, so use that example, or, you know, getting in logically, I got it. But when I'm driving my car and I'm getting into an accident or 
I made an investment, I lost the money, or something happens bad, then it's like <gasps> the emotion, the emotions comes and rips apart the, the muna and the betachin in my heart because I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I say it, I say it, I say it. But the second that the, 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 the boulder comes out of me, it's like, <gasps> Okay, so Ushi, let me, let me sort of um, frame it a little bit differently. Sure. We're all maminim, we're all maminim, we're all maminim. When was the last time you dominated? Myrif. Okay. When was the last time you fainted during Shemana Esra? Dominating means speaking to Hashem right here. Me, little me, having a conversation with the creator of the heavens and the Hashem himself. I'm speaking to Hashem more powerful than, Bill, more rich, richer than Bill Gates, more powerful than Donald Trump. Hashem, the creator, uh, I speak to Hashem. Uh, I, if I understood that I'm speaking to Hashem, how is it possible that I didn't faint? What's the answer to that question? When we really don't get to that real level. In, in, in we get it, what I call 20%. We get it 15%. You work on it, it gets 16%. How about we get to 20%? If I really work on them 20% speaking to Hashem, that's a great point. So meaning our real level of Amuna is about 20%. 22, 23, you work on it more. But once you understand that, you understand why it's so difficult in the real world. You see, I, wa I want to grow and I want to get there. But right now, I'm at level, I'm at 22%. So when I have a real Nesoyan, namely, I, it's either rough with my Parnassa, and I get a setback, or whatever, suddenly I'm confronted with reality, and 20% Amuna is not enough, and that's why I have to get back to work. It's like the litmus test of your Bitochen is when things go wrong, and that's when it's time to work to Mimachazik, because hopefully through that process, you grow from 20% to 21% to 22% to 20%. You spend your life, you get to 30, 35. <clears throat> Maybe when you're 80, you get to a point where you're, you're speaking to Hashem and it's 40% like you, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's a level of sickness I don't think we can even imagine. But it's a slow, slow growth. And as you grow and gain more, as you go through life experiences and you transcend, you nisgaber and win out, you grow a little bit more in Amuna and Bitochen. It becomes a little bit more clear, becomes more real, and your entire immune system changes. I heard from somebody once, a very smart guy. He said it's something like a muscle when you exercise. The more you, the more you bench press that muscle, the more strong you get. You ever heard that before? Um, <laughs> but I think I think that's why many people struggle, because in today's day and age, most of the things we get with a click, and things happen today and now. Instant gratification. Eighty years. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, we'll get back to this topic, but I'm just touching on a big topic. I want to put on, there's a lot of people that are texting me nonstop, and uh, my, my, my Zoom account is going to ask me for more money soon. Let's put on the next live person. Hi, how are you? MC. Hi, good. Baruch Hashem, how are you? Good, it's late. Okay, um, so before I go to my original question, I just want to clarify something that Rabbi Schaefer said before. Um, Basically, was Rabbi Schaefer saying that we cannot reach the level of the we cannot reach that um, level of bitachon before the actual test comes along? Um, I, I mean, I'll rephrase, I'll rephrase it, Rabbi Schaefer. Let me jump in. No, Schaefer, I think he gets the way it. I understood it. I'm sorry. I'm going to answer for Rabbi Schaefer. The way I understood it, obviously in, in logic, you're always going to reach a certain level and a person who's very smart and understands and learns the Sfarim and learns the Musar to reach a very strong level of talking. But that's all in theory until it actually hits you. That's something, I mean, I can't say, I'm not going to say a general cloud person from zero could become 
100% no matter what they go through, could be the closing of a Rebbe and lose his whole family and be 100% strong. But that's something that as you keep on working on your Muna and you keep on saying, Hashem has my, my right intentions in mind, and you keep on davening more and you keep on building it up, it's, it's like a muscle that you eventually become strong enough. Sorry, Rabbi Shaver. I mean, the, the, the events of life are what shape you, mold you, meaning you ever notice just when things are going right, things are finally, finally falling into place, something else happens, boom, this piece falls out. And then finally you get that together and some, it's almost like, almost like Hashem is planning this. Well, I have a little secret. It's not almost like Hashem is planning it. Hashem is planning it. Hashem has created many, many life circumstances for you, many, many challenges. It's much like an obstacle course. Hashem raises the bar a little bit more, a little bit more, so that you can grow, you can challenge, because you can only grow in real bitach and real amuna through experiences of life, when you're in trouble, when you have to reach out. So the experiences of life are the, again, the laboratory of growth, because it allows you to grow, allows you to become greater, and many, many situations, Hashem handcrafts to allow you to reach a new level in your emunah, in your bitoch, and in seeing Hashem. So uh, does that answer your, your question? Um, I think so, for now at least. Now, <laughs> Thank good. you. But that's only <laughs> okay. part one, there's um, part two, yeah. There's a part two, right. Yeah. Um, okay, so what would be some practical steps to go from you know, the knowledge that we have that Hashem is doing everything in our lives to actually bringing that emotion. Like I know Coach Menachem um, said at the beginning of this Zoom meeting that that was um, a main theme that people were saying, we know it, we don't feel it. So what are some practical steps that we can take to internalize at, to internalize this knowledge and change it to become emotion? Okay, I got one. Are you ready for this one? Take a deep breath. <clears throat> um, it's called davening. Davening. Do you know what davening is? Number one, davening is me speaking to Hashem. Number two, davening is my begging, imploring, beseeching Hashem, please. Meaning I'm asking Hashem for all of my needs. Do you know what that process does? It becomes clear to me, I do not control my destiny. I cannot control my existence. By the way, you want a little exercise in growth? I have a perfect exercise for your growth. Tonight, and before you put your head down on the pillow, I want you to say these words. I, <clears throat> I hereby will it to be that tomorrow morning I shall open my eyes. Say those words. I, here, I hereby will it to be that tomorrow morning I shall open my eyes. As you say those words, hopefully you realize how foolish they are. Because I hope I will open my eyes, but it's not within my control. Whether I exist or not is not within my... Meaning, I ask Hashem, please return my neshama to me. In the morning when Hashem returns it, I say, thank you, Hashem, for putting me back into this body, back alive, back into my existence. Meaning, my, whether I exist or not is not within my control. Do you realize how life-changing that is? And do you realize how much my understanding changes when I get that concept? Shemona Esrei is one of the greatest growth systems. Why? Because I go through one after another after another recognizing I do not control my destiny. Hashem runs the world. Not in theory, not up, but in real terms. I ask Hashem, please help me. I can't do it. That is probably the greatest exercise in growth. And ironically enough, <clears throat> we do it um, kind of often, like um, three times a day, or if you're a woman, twice a day, fine. But, but you're doing it pretty, pretty often why not make it actually do what it's supposed to do, namely 
to grow, to accomplish, to recognize what I'm supposed to be doing? I think many people would also have that question in terms of davening, turning the knowledge into, into emotion. Yep, they might. And you know why? Because the sitter's broken. Okay, here's my admission. Are you ready for this? I do this on a regular basis. I speak in high schools. And I go, I've gone across the country, best yeshivas, worst yeshivas, all yeshivas, boys, girls, doesn't matter. I, at some point during a Dominic Shmuz, I pull out my wallet and say, I am not a betting man. I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I would bet you this $100 bill that you cannot tell me the meaning of these words. And then I ask some very, very esoteric concepts like Sukkot Zimra. I quote a few Sukkot and I have not lost that bet yet. High school to high school, best high schools. And I asked some words in Pesukah de Zimra that we say every day, every, like every day. And I've not yet once lost my, I don't lose $100 anyway because I'm not a bet. So here's the point. A big reason why the sitter doesn't work is number one, you got to know what the words mean. And I don't mean that to be facetious. We all went to the best yeshivas, but I was 19 when I made this great discovery. I didn't have a clue to what the tefillahs were saying. I didn't know what the words meant. And my Mr. Baruch Caruso got angry at me because after every dominating, I would sit down and over the words of Baruch Shama, I write Baruch, bless, Shama, who said, Baha'ya. And I touched the words and put it into my sitter so I could daven. It would take me five or 10 minutes to do. And he was upset. I came late to every seder. But after a while, I began to discover something incredible. The words have meaning. Now, you see, the problem with tefillah is you have to learn how to make the system work. Tefillah is the most incredible system of recognizing Hashem and reaching out to Hashem. It's the most incredible emotional laden growth system, but you have to know how to make it work. Um, what can I tell you? It, it takes, it does take some work. Um, there are quite a number of shmuzim on davening exactly for that reason. I mean, there are many, many Muslims who about it, but it's, what can I tell you? It's one of the greatest tools. I don't know if I'm answering the question, maybe I'm making it more problematic, but, but it is, um, Okay, I'll tell you here. I'll give you one simple exercise. <clears throat> the next time you daven, just here, very simply, don't daven a single Shemana Esri from now on in without personalizing it. Personalizing means make a bakasha. In your mother tongue, in English, if you're not sure where, in Shemakolenu, that's a shakal bracha. If you know the theme of each bracha, you can make the, that theme within the theme. If you're not sure where, you could say in Shemakolenu, in your mother tongue, ask for something. It could be big, it could be large. Ask Hashem for something. And when you do that, what happens is you suddenly change your whole system of dominating because suddenly it's real. It's not just mumbling words. It's not just, it's, it's, you're speaking to Hashem right here. By the way, Masil Shem, you know how he defines tefillah? He says, tefillah is speaking. Imagine my friend is here, I'm speaking to him. My friend may respond, he may not respond, but I'm speaking to him right here. Masil Shem, Parakutah says, Zuhi tefillah, little me speaking to the creator of the heavens and the earth right here. Not up there, Malachim, please bring the tefillah. Hashem, can you hear me? 13 billion light years up. No, no. Hashem, right here, me speaking to Hashem. But to make that real, you have to make bakash. You have to ask. If you personalize every Shemana Esrei, don't dominate another Shemana Esrei without making at least one personal request, asking Hashem, it could be large, it could be small, but in your mother tongue, in English, whatever your mother tongue is, ask Hashem in your language. And I think you'll see it changes your Shemun Esrei, it changes your, your, your dominance. I, I want to okay. jump in with Coach Menachem and take a little uh, different concept. Coach Menachem, you ready? Go. Yeah. Rabbi Schaefer, you ready? Nope. No? Okay, good. 
Next uh, week, we actually have on the program, next week coming on, um, a group of uh, very nice guys, and Ari Berkowitz from Thank You Hashem. It's just a music, it's a concept. I'm not fakoyfing it, I'm not this, but me and Menachem actually went to, uh, to a, a shir they had together in Brooklyn, and it was mind-opening to us, and that's why we're going to have them on the program next week. But I just want to discuss a little bit of their mahalach when people are in crazy situations. I'm talking about people that, you know, people were niftar on them. We, they said a story of their person, his wife went into labor, and uh, after she gave birth, she was nifted the same day that the baby had the bris. The guy just got married. Like people that are dealing with severe, severe things. And their mahalach, and that's, that's what they say, is that the Avdank and David, you have to thank Hashem for everything. Because every Nisoyen Hashem is giving us is only for a way for us to grow. He's giving it specifically for us to grow. Obviously, easy to say, hard to do. And their mahalach, what they do is, and this is the one thing that me and actually Coach Menachem did together, going back quite a few months ago, is that when we came to Shmonez, when we came to Shmakaleinu, we said, instead of getting Hashem, I need $100,000, Hashem, I need this, Hashem. I used to come out with my uh, Santa list and I used to make a bunch of, uh, you know, I wrote it down. I had to listen, I have the mortgage, I have the tax bill, I have this. We started with the mouth. First, thank you, Hashem, for all the good things that we've done. Instead of looking at all the things that I need, Hashem should give me, give me, give me, thanking for what we do have. And Ari Burke was this famous word that he said last week, how do you look at a cup when it's half full or half empty? Which way do you look at it? His answer is, thank Hashem that you have a cup in the first place. But it just, it's, a, it's just a musig. Of, of being thankful. And as I'm telling personal, I'm getting personal, you take it how you want. As I've done it for a while, um, I find my mindset is, is more positively programmed and you're looking more at the positive. And as the harder things are coming, I'm able to have more munabatachin. And that's goof what munabatachin means. What does it mean you have munabatachin, you have more segula to have more siyat tashmaya? Is that you believe that Hashem, even though he's giving you something that you seem bad or negative, it's making it come positive. Coach Menachem, you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Rabbi Jeff, I'm sorry. Uh -huh. Can I jump in for a second? Sure. Is it okay? Okay, watch this. We start tefillah with 16 brachas. Pokeach, Ivrim, Malbishim, Hashem. I open my eyes and I see, thank you, Hashem, for this gift of sight. I have mobility. I have my fingers, my senses. I hear. I Thank you, Hashem. If you pay the words of Pesukit Zimra, singing out, Shir V'Shevach V'Adaf Hashem, for creating this magnificent world with such complexity and such harmony and such beauty. And then we get to Baruch when we describe the Malachim and Shemayim, what they sing, Kadosh, Kadosh, they appreciate Hashem much more. And we finally get to Shema being Makabal Omochot Shemayim. What you build up to, if you're actually, you know, following the Siddur, is an emotional-laden process where you get to Ovos and you get to speak to Hashem and you recognize Hashem. I, I mean, I, it, it's sad that there's this new concept we have to thank Hashem. I mean, there's Ovos, there's Bakoshas, and there's, there's Hodah. That's what that's what davening is, meaning the first thing I have to recognize is the amount of riches and blessings that Hashem gives me on a constant basis. I live in this generation. In the history of mankind, there's never been this wealth, this opulence, this luxury. When people quetch, I can't make my mortgage payment. Just go back 300 years ago, and you see that kings of those days didn't live in the homes that we live in. By the way, I live in Muncie. It's a nice house, I'll grant you. Do you know that my house is nicer than Lord Rothschild's house? I saw a picture of Lord Rothschild, the banker, the finest seer of Europe in the 1700s. My house is larger. My house is finer. I have indoor plumbing. I have electricity. I have air conditioning. I have, I have things they couldn't imagine. The plain taxpaying citizen in our generation has wealth and abundance that kings of yesteryear could not imagine and envision. A person should recognize that, should sing out Shiv. Right, I'm going on a rant. Forget it. I'm sorry, Yoshi. I'm done. Exactly. Exactly what you're saying is exactly what we're discussing. Because logically, you're 100% right. 
And the problem is that we're missing the basic, basic connection and thanking Hashem, which that's the, the mila that they have, that whatever happens to a person, you pick up your eyes and you say, Hashem, you are the one who's doing it. Thank you. And eventually, hopefully, it takes us back to the others. Um, I would like to elaborate a little bit on this, and maybe we'll finish. We have another 25 questions, Usha. I have, I have, I just want to say, Reverend Schaefer, if it's okay with you, I have three more live questions that they're very adamant to ask, so I want to do those three, if you're okay with that, and then we'll, we'll do a closing, and I'll be done with that, because the, um, there's more than three, but I told them right now, I'm sorry, I can't. Uh, I, <laughs> Schaefer, schmooze number three, 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 two, we'll do it next week. Okay. So I'm saying we're, we're living in a world of logic and everything, because everything is so fast and everything we understand and we know Hashem runs the world. We're living in that world of logic. But the problem is that gap that we discussed in the beginning, the emotions, because when something does happen, what happens is you feel it. That becomes emotional. And we're not sure how to eat it. And even on, uh, the question is how to close that gap. Now, the negative emotions is something that we don't like. So we try to push it away. But the truth is that that's called suppressing, like I mentioned before. The only way that you can start thanking Hashem, living with Hashem, or um, closing the gap and understanding Hashem runs the world, live with Hashem, is first to realize to be aware of those negative emotions. Because if you suppress those emotions, then you're locking up the, the emotional part of the person. So, so we all grew up like Eden, and we know, and we know what's right, and we know where we should be, and we want to be there. For some reason, we're not there, so there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance. But the Yisoyedah is what I want to say is we have to become more aware of our emotions, and it starts usually with negative, because what do most people feel? They feel the negative emotions, because that hurts. But the positive emotions, when something works out, Hashem helped them, it may be, maybe for a second they feel it. But then they're on to the next problem. And the next problem works out. Oh, thank you, Hashem. We're on to the next problem. So what really is you have to be able to sit with your emotions. And the aside is that you can't, really, you can't really choose which emotion you want to feel. So you might say, hey, I'll be aware of my emotions. I'll only feel the positive. I don't want to feel the negative. It doesn't work. There's the part of the brain that takes care of the emotions. It's either you're aware of the emotions or not. If you don't like it because it's negative, so you suppress it, you don't have, you have less negative, like it doesn't bother me, it's fine, I'll, I'll work it out. But then you're missing the positive that all that you're saying, thanking Hashem, believing Hashem runs the world, He loves you, He gives you whatever you need. All of that is missing because you don't feel it. You might know it logically, but you don't feel it. it live it. So the step number one to be able to live and feel the positive is you have to be able to accept negative too. They go together. So you, you'll ask me, hey, so what should I do? I don't want to feel the negative. So you don't have to do anything about it. And the truth is people are going through a lot of pain. And even on this show, listening to this show is another logical piece. And we have to do it fast and everything is running very fast because people are asking questions and Ashley wants to make sure nobody gets off and everybody's all excited. And when you finish this whole thing, it'll be wow, but it'll still be logic. What we really have to do is slow down. Let all that logic from your head go down into the emotions. 
And for that, we don't have time. We're too busy. We don't want to sit with it. Number one, we might become aware of negative stuff that we don't want. So let me stay busy. Let me listen. Let me hope for the best. And we're shut down. So I don't know if the Olam understands what I'm trying to say, but basically it's we have to let the emotions, you have to sit with your emotions, even though there might be some negative, because then you can open up to that whole ocean of positive emotions and get it all in and slowly close the gap of the logic into the emotions and living and believing that Hashem runs the world and thanking Him. And when the truth is, most people have more positive than negative. Okay, I'm not talking about discussing people who are going through hard, really hard stuff. Why aren't they happy? Because that one thing, they're focusing on that one thing that's not working out. So he has to pay the mortgage, like you said, finish. What should I do? I should be happy now? You see, what happened to all the 99? Yeah. I'm sorry, to but I'm no coach. But you see, if I focus on the positive things, here, let me, a simple example. I came down one morning and I was, must have been, in the morning I drink my coffee. I was a little too enthusiastic. And I said to my wife, this, we have, a, uh, we have in the kitchen, we have a, uh, a granite countertop. And I said, this is amazing. Look at the, the feldspar, the mica, the quartz. I, was, I haven't been studying the minute. And it's so formed. It's beautiful. And I was very excited about it. And my wife said, so what? I said, don't you see how beautiful we're so, it's amazing. We have a, a, a granite countertop. It's amazing. My wife said, so what? I said, don't you appreciate it? And my wife said fighting words. She said, I guess you're more Magushim than I am. You're more into Gashmias. And them's fighting words. You know what I mean? Like uh, that's, uh, and I said to my wife, with all due respect, I don't agree. It's not uh, gashmius to appreciate that which Hashem gave you. And that's basic. If you make a bracha on an a apple or an orange, you're supposed to appreciate the flavor. You're supposed to appreciate. Hashem invested tremendous forethought and care to make an orange orange, to make an apple red, to the texture, the flavor, the aromas. You're supposed to live life. But to live life, you got to put the brain on on. You got to pay attention. And have to look at the wealth that we have and say, this is astonishing. But as you say, sit with the negative emotion, you have to sit with the positive. Look at the wealth. I'm sitting at a desk. I'm sitting, I'm on a Zoom computer. This, this astonishing technology. Oh, that was your last year's technology. What, what came out now? now. <clears throat> Training your eye to see the incredible bracha that we have. Training your eye to see the incredible wealth, I think is a process in and of itself. And the more you train yourself in it, the more, A, obviously you're happy, but much more than that, your life is so much more fulfilling, so much more meaningful. You understand why Hashem did things. But I think you said it well. If you measure the amount of bad versus good, it's a minuscule amount of bad. But if you focus and see it only, my whole life becomes that thorn. My whole life becomes that problem. But if you put perspective on it, you step, step back and you study your life and you train yourself to appreciate the wonders, the blessing, I, I think it changes everything. I apologize, Coach Menachem. I'm, I'm you just have to be ready. Those people who want to start this exercise to sit with the positive, they're going to find some negatives there. Yeah. yeah. And they have to be yeah. ready for that. And that's okay. All right, let's go. It. We have more. We have more. We have more. Let's go. Unmuted? Yeah. Didi. Hi. Thank you so much. It's been phenomenal tonight. Um, first of all, I just want to say uh, uh, to Rabbi Schaefer, about the davening, it's really unbelievable. I see with with my own children when they don't want to daven, and there's a certain thing I don't want to daven this. So I sometimes say, okay, you know, what? let's just daven this and let's just look at the words and see what they mean. And this is going to be your tefillah. And I see how it really makes a difference to them. Um, it's amazing. One of my kids just like there's a certain tefillah he he didn't want to say, and now he loves to say it because that's the only one he connects to and the only one he knows. 
but obviously you can't push so much on them when they're they're young and as adults I just wish I wish somebody would have done that to me you know um but this actually leads into my other question coach Menachem actually touched a lot on it this I was going to come from a different angle of the the not how do I have Vitachon but Baruch Hashem, I grew up in a house where Amuna was everything. I, I, I am so grateful to my parents for raising us um, with such strong Amuna. Sometimes it's a little hard to translate into life, but at least I know that that's the core. The problem is, is when there are tests and when there are difficulties that come up, sometimes I just, I, I found my whole life, actually, I found myself just telling myself, don't get angry. You know, it doesn't matter. It's okay. If this is what Hashem wanted, and that's it, and deal with it, and fine. And so my whole life, I've really been doing that. I'm not going to say I won every time, but I really have been suppressing my entire life because this is what Hashem wants and that's it. So I, I found actually one, one of the hardest points in my life uh, when, I, when I just felt myself failing, somebody introduced me to Rabbi Ashir, Rabbi David Ashir, and he was my life source because that was the way I was able to write, this is what Hashem wants, this is what Hashem wants, this is good, this is good, this is good. And at a certain point, actually more recently, I would say even this year, I just started to realize, I was like, you know, I really live my life without feelings. Um, so I hear, I, I'm hearing a lot of what Coach Menachem is saying. And the only difference I, is, is that I do find myself feeling a lot of the positive feelings. And, and like, I, I guess because of that being brought up to see the good, I, I'll, I'll feel a lot of my, 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 it's cute to see my four-year-old, like, like saying some of the things that I'll, I'll say out loud, look, look what Hashem gave us. Thank you so much to Hashem. So, so she'll hear that also, but I know that my, there have been very, very painful times in my life. There's certain times like, should I be getting help? Should I be okay with this? And I'm really probably shouldn't be okay, but it's what Hashem wants. So it's just what I'm dealing with and too bad. So I want, I, I've heard a lot of what Coach Menachem was saying. I want to hear a little bit from Rabbi Schaefer's perspective coming from this um from from my angle right so i'm not sure what what, what is lacking if you're not feeling misery Are you feeling you're not feeling because okay this is not the situation but let's say let's say the situation was i was being abused right so which is not the situation but baruch, baruch hashem but there have been some very very not okay situations and but the whole way through it was i, I mean I, I'm glad I have it in me from, from, I'm glad it was instilled in me, but I don't know, maybe there were times I should have gone for help for certain things and I didn't because this is what Hashem wants. And this is what, um, this is what's destined for my life. This is what it is. See, so, but help, I, I'm sorry, to interrupt, but if going to help means there's a dissonance within you, there's a, there's conflicting emotions or there's suppression that, that you're, and there's an unhappiness, there's an unrest, uh, maybe, but if you actually got to, I want to ask you a question. David Amelach with joy and happiness, he went, something wrong with it? Meaning, and when he fought against Goliath, apparently he wasn't afraid. He said to Sholem Elch, I'm not wearing the armor. Why? It wouldn't be enough of a nace. It wouldn't be recognizable enough that it's a miracle. He went out there and fought against this giant, apparently without fear. So would you say he was a defective human being? Because fear is natural. It must be pathological. No, but I'm, but I'm not really there. I'm not really, something's hurting me so badly, but I'm not allowing myself to be hurt. But really, I am hurt. So help, that helped me. This might be more, might be above my, my, my pay scale, but I'm not really hurting, but I am hurting. I mean, I'm not letting it penetrate. I'm not letting it dig into me. I'm not letting it destroy me. I'm not letting it make me miserable. 
So therefore what? Therefore, no, I just want to know, my, my point is at what point do you draw that line of I should be feeling? What? This is not okay. This is Hashem, Hashem wants this to be happening, but I, it's, not, it's not necessarily a good situation for me. I mean, maybe it is good because it's what Hashem wants, but I need to, I'm allowed to feel I should be feeling it's healthy to be feeling. And then once I go through that feeling stage, maybe work at, like I'm not I'm not at the level where David Amach was really with joy. I'm not go, I'm not feeling joy for the for the what's what I'm going through. I'm not. But I'm telling myself again and again, you are, you're happy, you're happy, you're happy. This is what Hashem wants for you. You're not letting yourself getting into the mire. You're not letting yourself get into the negative spin of, of emotions where your brain starts taking control of you and saying it's bad, it's you're miserable, it's horrible, it's horrible. You're not allowing yourself to get into the negative spin so that you're happy. What's, what's, the chasar, what's lacking? That sounds great. You sound, because in reality, I'm not happy though. <laughs> no, I, I know, you, but you're not, you're not allowing yourself to become miserable. Naturally, this situation should make you unhappy and should hurt you. You're not allowing your, your mind to play tricks with you. You're not allowing your, your mind to take over and, and you're growing and accomplishing, so you're not feeling pain. So uh, that's a problem. I'm not feeling pain. Good. That's great. I'm, I'm not sure, understanding what the. So, what, uh, it sounds like a, a little bit she is feeling pain. But she doesn't it, recognize it. So here we Sometimes it has to be, sometimes the emotional health, it has to be worked out. And if it's something, if somebody is uh, going through something that they can get help, then that's part of their status. They shouldn't let themselves stay where they are and saying, this is what Hashem wants. Obviously, yes, sometimes you have to go for help. And this situation, Bechlal, if somebody was suppressed, their emotion has suppressed emotions all their life, and now they're starting slowly to learn how to live with their emotions, sometimes it is very, very hard. And it is recommended to have a friend or a professional, somebody to do it with them, because there could be a lot of... Um, unhealthy or not sure how to work through the emotions. So could I, I just one interjection. I have one litmus test to, to the, that really determines it. Are you functioning better or worse? Meaning if, you, if your equilibrium is offset and you're not functioning, you're not happy, you're not, that may be something you need to deal with. But if you're functioning better because of this, this becomes you will, if you need to call it a coping strategy, you could call it a coping strategy, but more to the point, you're dealing with an assignment properly and you're coming out stronger because of it. What's the chasarin? Because you're not feeling pain that, that, that you don't have to faint. What, where's the midst of the field pain that you don't have to feel? Well, I'm not feeling pain. That's good, but I should feel pain. Who said? But because uh, other people feel pain. So why do you have to suffer? Well, because other people suffer and it's popular to suffer, I should suffer too. I'm not, like, I'm not, there's a piece, unless I'm missing something, there's a piece here that, that's... Oh, let's go to the next question, Rabbi Schaefer, is that okay? Sure. Okay, let's go. I'm sorry for, I'm sorry, I know that <laughs> this can go for, for a while. Sarah, let's go. Yes, hi, how are you? Thank you so much. Um, now, I feel like my betachin, is, I, I work on it all the time, and when the coronavirus hit, I, you know, I continue working, there were families, in my area, my daughter's friends that when school was still gonna was in session, 
Um, they kept their daughters home the first two days, that, the last two days of that they were open. A lot of people kept their kids home. Um, and I, I felt my Pitaka was strong and I also continued to work. Um, I went to work even like, you know, some people were like, why are you still going to work? And I continued going to work. And I felt like, okay, you know, um, Hashem's going to take care of it. And then we did, uh, unfortunately, we did um, get hit um, with the virus in my family. And I felt like, okay, this is tailor-made and Hashem's going to take care of us. And Baruch Hashem, it wasn't so bad. We, we made it through. And um, now I'm struggling with the aftermath of this with my Batakan, I feel. Um, as everyone's getting back um, where I live, um, kids are going back into kids' houses, um, people not wearing masks anymore. I mean, I know I, I tested positive. I have antibodies, so is my husband. I'm, I'm having a hard time because I have a mother and a father-in-law with underlying conditions. And I'm just, my fear of the unknown, like nobody has answers to it. But everyone seems to go back, is going back to regular life, like camps. Like my daughters want to go to the sleepaway camps if they do find a way to open. And I'm having a hard time with this because of the unknown. I said, what if we do get it again? We don't know because it's uncontagious. And my, my father-in-law needs my father, uh, my husband to help him out. And Baruch Hashem, my parents don't really need me to handle them. Um, we see them social distancing, but I have a father-in-law. My mother-in-law had passed away. We're not sure if it was a virus, but now he needs my my husband to help. And what if we don't know, like if we're going back and being exposed with our kids going back, going to camp, and I'm going back to work July 1st to work with children. And the and I don't know. I, I'm This is my struggle. I guess it's lack of betachin. It's just the unknown. I felt like in the beginning, my betachin was strong. And now I just feel like, I have no, I'm just afraid. I really am afraid because what if we don't know if we have, like, what do I do? Do I go back to the world? I'll let my kids do what they want or, or, or do I, am I going to be so cautious? I don't know what to do. <laughs> is this for me? Is this, is you can take it. Okay. Here we, okay. So to be honest with you, I wouldn't, I'm not sure that the, what the right Ishtadlis is here. Let me explain what I mean. Mitzvah and my daughter is getting married June 28th. My father's wife is still alive. She's in the Fountain View. She's 91. And I grace, graciously, gracefully begged her not to come to the wedding. Why? Because mm. she's 91. And I cannot take a chryas to have her at the wedding when there's going to be people. It's not going to be huge. It's going to be outdoors. 50 people, which is mandated by New York State as legal and, and fine. Bottom line is there is an element of risk, and I, I begged her, please do not come. We agreed. I'm going to make a videotape. I'm going to tape her, and she's going to play for Chazan Kala because it, it is a risk. So I don't think that's a lack of betochen. I think it'd be foolhardy to if you have a person who Rachmanitzan could die, and COVID is extraordinarily contagious, to put them in harm's way would be foolish. So I don't consider it a lack of betochen. The question really becomes. And what is the normal hishtadlis under these circumstances? So again, if you had it already and you have antibodies and the odds are very slim, you're going to get it again, and that would dictate one level of betochen. If your children who anyway seem to pass very through it, that again, someone who's elderly and has an underlying condition. So I think the hishtadlis is dictated by the circumstances. And then and once you know what the right hishtadlis is, that's where betochen comes in. But again, it may be foolhardy 
to put someone in harm's way because saying I betochen. That's not betochen. That's it's called ritzicha. It's murder. It's not. I I understand, but my question is like, do I just let like, my do I keep my kids in a bubble to protect my our elder, you know, our, our parents that have problems? Because I like I said, my my husband has to take my father-in-law to doctors. Right. Like, what happens if that runs out? And also, hello, am I mute? You hear me? No, now I hear you. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So my husband has to take my father-in-law to doctors. Well, what happens when our antibodies run out and the time where can we get it? We don't know if we can get it again. And you're not contagious. You don't know when you're you're most contagious when you don't have symptoms. So that's I mean, what I'm afraid. There's a certain level, listen, the, supposedly the, the antibodies take a long time to run out. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, you know the truth is this is, a, this is a medical question. Really, this is a question to be discussed with a doctor and based on the understanding, based on the knowledge, what is considered prudent, wise practice. That's how you dictate the ishtadlis. The ishtadlis is supposed to be al derechateva. means you take bitochen, take Hashem out of the picture. You ask yourself, according to the ways of nature, what is the prudent proper way to act. And if a doctor says this is dangerous, don't do it. The doctor says, yeah, I'm not really, it's, it's fine. Then that dictates, that's, that, at that point, you see, betochen means when I'm using the world in the ways of the world, I trust Hashem, I'm doing my part, Hashem, you do your part. If I'm using the world in a reckless way, if I'm not acting appropriately, I have no right to have betochen. So really the first dictate is what is the proper approach? What is the derechateva? And once I know that, that's when I then say, Hashem, you run the world. It's up to you. I just follow your, your guidance. Did that okay. answer the question? Yes. All right. Okay. Okay. We have one more live question, Rabbi Schaefer. We'll stop at that. I'm, I, have, I have about another 15 questions to go, but we're not going to get to all of them. I'm sorry. Um, let's take the last live question. Yeah. Daniel is coming back again. Round two. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Sorry. It's a very different question. Um, it's a little bit more personal. I, I just going with the theme over here and hopefully we'll get, get um, I'll answer. So I don't know if you touched upon it yet. Baruch Hashem, I believe in Hashem. I have a Muna, I don't, I don't think I struggle in those ways. So, I mean, like this. Let's say I used to think if I had a Muna Betachen, then I would be saved from a very, anything painful or agony or hardships. And I had a Muna Betachen, and then I had agony and hardships and pain. Then I realized, being mature, that if I believe in pain, if I think that's a contradiction to have a, to believe in Hashem and to have pain, then I'll have the issue when other people have pain. So for some reason, just when I had pain, it, it did, and I started having problems with my Muna, I realized that that's not an issue. You could have a Muna 100%, you could have Betachen 100%. And anything that exists that's bad or that's very hurtful and painful or agonizing, including divorce, death, cancer, anything, it still exists, even though you have Munun Betachen. Meaning Amun Betachen wasn't the answer to that. Amun Betachen just are facts. They are beliefs or whatever. Once I realized that, then a little bit it took away from, now what it means to be a from Yid, because I'm the same from, it just, it just took away from, I, a little bit got me stuck because what say I what say what say anything I do or don't do, it's gonna be the same mitzvah Hashem either way. 
I don't know if I'm being clear. Like, Daniel, are you saying that with Sad, whether you have a Munu Betochen, the Tetzel is going to be the same, the answer is going to be the same? Right, no, so I'm just trying to say from a right, exactly. Thanks, Doctor. From if, if, if what's going to happen is going to happen, and if I believe, and I do believe, it's still going to happen, then how is this even, a, the, how, how would a conversation about the Munu Betochen even be helpful? Okay, it's just so going to be a matter of believing or not. So let, let's take a step back. <laughs> These concepts, Munu Betochen, <laughs> what does it mean? It means that I recognize that Hashem runs the world. That doesn't mean I know what's supposed to be. It doesn't mean my life is going to be a walk in the rose garden. It means that I recognize that Hashem runs the world and everything that Hashem does is for my best. There are many painful situations that people go through, many tests, many challenges, many situations that serve me no good in this world whatsoever. And I'll share with you a very simple example. Have you ever had a headache? How about a migraine? I helped a man up three steps on Yom Kippur. I think he suffered more pain in those three steps than I suffered my entire year. Here's a question. If Hashem is kindly, loving, giving, why would Hashem create pain? And not just pain, such a complex pain delivery system and pain that hurts in different ways. When you smash your elbow, it hurts, which hurts very different than where you hurt your shin. A stomach ache is very different than a toothache. A headache is very different than an abrasion. You could write poetry about the different flavors and textures, nuances of pain. Why do it? When you understand this world is the gym. We're here to grow and accomplish. Hashem put us here to become great. There'll be many, many challenges that serve me no good in this world whatsoever, but it's all part of the plan to allow me to become the great individual hopefully I can become. When you understand that, you understand life. But you see, having mitachem doesn't mean I trust Hashem that my life here is going to be beautiful and wonderful. Life is beautiful. It's wonderful, but it has a purpose. You know, I spent a lot of time, the, the book Stop Surviving, Start Living. The Mitzvah Shem explains there are two worlds. It's this world, which is the gym, world to come is the spa. The, each world has its plan, each has its purpose. And this world is a gym, you put it to grow, to accomplish, to change the essence of you. When you've done your job here, you go to the world to come, you go to the spa, that's where you enjoy what you accomplish. But each world with its plan, each with its purpose. In this world, there are going to be a lot of situations. You ever watch a guy who works out, there's a lot of pain. It's, it's enjoyable, I work out regularly. But there's a lot of pain. That pain is growth-oriented. That pain helps me. I, I in, embrace that pain because I recognize the benefit. In fact, I bring it on myself because I recognize the benefit it brings me. When you understand that, you understand there are many situations in life. Some of them are pain that I don't embrace. Some I don't want. All of them are challenges. All of them allow me to become what I can be. But you see, Amun and Bitochen doesn't mean that I get to write this fairy tale version of life. Hashem is taking me along a path. Hashem is bringing me to a certain place. And there are many, many situations that are going to be difficult challenges that force me to make a choice. No sitting on the sidelines. I either transcend or I crumble, but choose I must. And that understanding allows you to understand that Hashem is taking me along a path. Ups and downs, many hills, many valleys, all of them give me the opportunity to grow, to accomplish. And Hashem custom makes many difficult situations. Not because Hashem is cruel, but because that's what forces me to become greater. Um, can I give you a muscle? I, I, I you'll appreciate this. And I, I hurt my, as a Rebbe in Rochester, I hurt my back. I had a friend of mine who was a dentist, and Doc Roskin, Doc said, let me take you to the gym. I met Art D'Antonio. And Art D'Antonio was the widest human being I ever met. I watched this guy bench press 400 pounds. I mean, bench press 400, okay, anyway. I worked out at the gym and it, it helped my back tremendously. Again, I pulled a muscle and he, and he coached me. Work, okay, I had a good time. I started working out. 
as it turned out, there was a fellow in the Kolel who asked me, he wants to go to the gym also. I said, I don't know how it's going to work out. There's a pretty serious gym. It was a weightlifting gym. It was a powerlifting gym. And, and I spent, as a kid, I used to work out. I was very familiar with stuff. This was a really serious guy who never exercised. I said, uh, anyway, he <clears throat> kept on it. So I brought him down. Art took one look at this guy and said, oh, he's vague. All right, anyway, he worked with him very carefully. He showed me exercises. This kid didn't know anything about anything in physical exercise, but he started doing it. And after a month, he started learning the, ex the movements properly. He started putting on more weight. And one day, this Kolo fellow says to me, it's about two, three months into working out, he says to me, what's with that coach? Every time I get the motion right, he puts more weight on the bar. What's wrong with that guy? I explained to him, Nar, progressive weight training is about increasing the load. And you increase the load so the body is forced to respond. That's what life is about. Hashem will constantly add more weight to the bar. Why? Because you're here to grow, to accomplish. You're here to push more weight. Why? Because when you put more load on the body, the body becomes stronger. And more load is put on you. Hashem is the exact trainer, knows exactly the right amount. He'll add a little bit, incrementally a little bit. But throughout life, you're going to find many, many difficult tests. Not because Hashem is cruel, not because Hashem is mean, but because it helps you grow. But that understanding allows you to understand it's not going to be all beautiful and shiny because I be tochen. I mean, tochen means I trust Hashem that Hashem knows what He's doing. I trust Hashem that He has a plan, and I trust Hashem that He's taking me along a path to a particular way. Beautiful. Okay, let's wrap up, uh, Rabbi Schaefer. I just wanted to say one thing that Rabbi Twersky says. He has a little clip. He says once that uh, that we're like lobsters, that when lobsters go down to the water, they, they have to shed the pain of their skin so they become stronger skin so they can handle more. That muscle. Anyway, first I wanted to thank again Rabbi Shane for coming on tonight. I, we all got tremendous chizik. I think we all got some amunas of betachin for, 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 from the shir. It was, it was amazing to see how many, Rabbi Shane, by far, you had the, the most questions and we could have done this for another two hours. I'm just letting you know, by far. So this was an amazing, uplifting share, and I really, really appreciate you, first of all, for saying yes and coming, and for being a chazagos, and uh, we're gonna have to make a round two, you know that, right? <laughs> and uh, I also wanted to mention a few quick things. Um, tomorrow on MenachemBernfeld.com, we're gonna have this whole video. Um, this is all recorded, and we're gonna be able to watch it. It's gonna be posted all over, and we get to watch the whole recap if people you know, weren't able to watch the whole thing. Um, in general, Rabbi Schaefer gives Wednesday night live Zoom shirim. Rabbi Schaefer, everybody can go to the shmooz.com. I advise everybody as a personal, I'm not only, uh, I'm not only the president, I'm the member also. <laughs> I'm a big shmooz chassid and I've listened to almost all of the shmoozin and um, it's something that you should really try to get yourself into because, uh, you know, again, you can choose the topics that are more relevant to you, whether it's marriage, whether it's shaduchim, whether it's panasa. Um, Rabbi, Rabbi Schaefer has pretty much almost everything covered, especially by now. Um, next week, we're going to have, again, we do this every Sunday night. Next week, we're going to have the Thank You Hashem group with Ari Berkowitz. And uh, Shalom Bera Bashkin will be coming on as well to, to talk about the maximum level of Muna Batakhan. We'll talk about we have a little knock. Yep. We're going to be talking about yep. what people yep. are in the max situations where they're dealing with things that are, I don't think anybody in this, in this whole room could even come close to some of the stories we're going to hear next week as far as the Muna Batakhan. We're all trying to figure out how do we have it when it's really hard. We're going to see people that are, that are really doing that, Rabbi Schaefer. It's going to be unbelievable. We're very excited. Mm -hmm. And I want to, again, thanks all of our advertising sponsors again. I'd like to first thank the Lakewood Scoop for promoting us this week and pushing us. I'd like to, uh, to thank JBN, Jewish Breaking News. It's the number one Jewish WhatsApp status. They have 100,000-plus followers across all the platforms. If you'd like to join, please send a WhatsApp message to 773-619-6349. Again, that's 773-619-6349. 
6349. Thank you, Barbara, for taking care of that. I'd like to thank Mika Sofer from COL Live um, for promoting us again. Uh, always a big fan of hers, always helps us. And of course, Yanov, Rabbi Schaefer's uh, close friend who uh, he's, uh, he texts me every week. He's into it. He's into the program. And um, again, Chazak, it's a program. They have programs for teens, for children, singles, couples, millennials, baby boomers, cherished seniors. Chazak offers programming for all. For any information, please go to chazak.org. And um, I would like to end with closing statements. Uh, first, Coach Menachem and then Rabbi Schaefer. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Rabbi Schaefer. Um, I think we covered a lot, and tonight was two hours of logic. And I advise the Oilem should take the information of the logic and Amit Hashem to be able to put it into the emotion so we can feel it and live it. And one of the only ways to do it is to be able to slow down and start appreciating and thanking Hashem and um, Hashem, the gap that we discussed should become a little bit smaller and we should be everybody should grow in the Amun HaMetachin and Tachlis Achayim. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Ushi. Thank you, Coach Menachem. I want to close with one story that I think encapsulates this concept. A guy I know very well, he's in Chinuch, has a business, he has a nice size family and he supports his business, he supports his family with his business. It's an e-commerce business. And, and during the year, again, because he's in Chinuch, he spends maybe an hour a, a day in the business, the rest of the time he's teaching, he's, he's learning. Uh, but the summer is a time when he puts in extra time into his business to make sure things are progressing, etc. And it's been going for many years. Okay, about three or four years ago, he realizes his website needs a total revamping it's really backward. It's not really not kept up with the times. In any case, he decides this summer, he's dedicating the entire summer to revamping his website. He spends 10 hours a day, product detail, product pictures, <clears throat> aligning it, finds the best web development company he can, arranges the entire sequence. He puts together a document. He meets with quite a number of companies. He picks one. He shows them the document. They go review it. He gives it off a finished product, knows that he's chosen well, and they dropped the ball. They didn't develop anything. Two weeks later, a month later, at the end of the summer, he realized the project failed miserably. And he also realized he's in big trouble. His Parnosa depends on the website. The only time he has to really work on it is the summer. He's going back to, into his you know, regular <clears throat> job. And he realizes he's dead. And he said, Hashem, what, what? Okay, anyway. A little after Rosh Hashanah, he gets an email from an Amazon agent. They want to speak to him. They want to bring in his product line into Amazon. It's not in Amazon. He never considered Amazon because his product line doesn't fit Amazon. They want to bring it in. They want to know if he's open to discussion. So he agrees to meet with them, and they say to him like this, we're going to build your entire store. Now, he didn't know it at the time. You can't get Amazon on the phone. Not only did they get on the phone, they built his entire storefront, not just the listings, but an entire storefront. And they put it all together. He got an Amazon consultant and his Amazon business took off. Okay, now he's now doing multi-million dollar a year on Amazon. COVID hits. His entire business comes crashing down, the normal e-commerce business. But the Amazon business remains and flourishes even more. And then he says to himself, I get it. I had such tightness. I spent months and months putting together a website. And I was so despondent. 
And the only reason he took the Amazon call, the only reason he met with them was because he realized he was in trouble and he had done nothing the whole summer. So he figured, whatever, maybe, I'll, I'll, maybe who knows? Had it not been for that, had it been successful with his plan, he never would have taken the call, never would have built the Amazon site. Kaylee, Kaylee, Lama Zaftani, knowing that Hashem is a plan. I don't see it now. I don't recognize it now. And by the way, I may never recognize it at all. It may not be good for me in this world. And then knowing, again, these two concepts, that Hashem loves me more than I love me, and number two, that Hashem knows better than I what's for my best is the underpinning of our entire bitachon. Coach Menachem, thank you. I really enjoyed the idea and the concepts of opening my emotions up. I, I was opened up to emotions. Thank you. And Ushi, thank you for inviting hey, hey, me. And... <laughs> okay. Very good. Thank you much. And I wish you much, much shatzlacha. Thank you very much, guys. I'll see everybody next Sunday at 10 o'clock. And um, looking forward. Good night, everybody. Good night.